Right, detectives look into a dysfunctional family in which the daughter is comatose. This isn't married with children. This is Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast. This is um, B.D. Rose, and this is Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast, and you can listen to it on Spotify. Well, we did it, man, and this is the last episode of the season, and um, hopefully, you know, I hope y'all ladies had a good time, you know? I mean, this is not phone sex or anything like that, though. Yeah, so um, I, I enjoy. I understand you be watching Law and Order SVU like every day, and you be binge watching it like I do. And I'm just break, and I, and I, I appreciate you want to listen and break it down the summary and all that stuff though. So, ah uh, man, uh, I just had like a rough week, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, you know, bad news is I lost my job, but the good news is I got another one. And you know, just uh, you know, people are so mean and spirited out here in this world. I mean, it's just like they don't even give a shit about you. And I'm being the nicest guy, the best that I be, and you just like people treating you like shit, like you nobody and stuff like that. Though, I mean, you know, sometimes you know, you're just the best. You don't say anything, and ignore them. I mean, but I'm telling you, I mean, this people here in the world are mean spirited, and they just going crazy. I mean. When this world is coming to now, I mean, check this out. You, know, you got like the vaccine mandate for these employees. They say that they got like um, they they have to they they, they it's coming next like, next month. Or they say in New York City, they said they're gonna take like maybe like um, they like at least thirty days. I mean, they they want city employees to get vaccinated, or they had to take a weekly COVID test, or get fired. That's the worst part. I heard that these company over in Arizona that they they um set up this vaccine mandate telling people to take the vaccine or get fired. I mean these people are sick. Um and um I also heard on the news that um starting tomorrow, I mean today, I mean New York's gonna be starting a vaccine mandate and they ordering city employees to get vaccinated for the next thirty days or they lose their jobs. Man, I mean, about this Delta variant kind of thing and COVID nineteen. I mean, it's not a it's not a man made disease. It's not airborne disease, but it's. I mean, what the people are doing is is like the population control because it's that you know the higher ups will seek setting everything up right, trying to kill us and brand us and all that stuff though, and they want us to fear them and they want to keep losing faith in God, but. Let me tell you something. I'm not taking the shot. Nor am I be taking the damn test, though. If I want to get, if they want to find me, so beat it. I will say fuck you to them. <laughs> well, um, hopefully, you know. Excuse my language, though. I mean, I'm also have my faith in uh, Most High. That's all it is, though. I don't have to worry about nothing. So. It's all about faith. So where's your faith at? 
And I'm not talking about Faith Hill, the country singer. All right, so um, okay, let's go. Um, this is you know this is um last show of the season on Twisted Lorna SVU podcast. So I started this thing back in February, and I'm doing like um episode. I'm doing the episode from the first episode in order. You know, just like these um Sopranos guys, or they got their podcast called um Talk of Sopranos. I listen. I listen to that shit every week. And they go by the episode. They go in order. So my show is that I'm going to be giving down a summary to these episodes and do some commentary on it about through the scene. And I already got started through episode one of the SVU, you know, the first season. And right now we started sec- this season two of Law and Order SVU. So this is going to be my last show of the season. But after that, I'm taking me like a small vacation and I'm not planning to go away soon. You know, I'm I'm just going to take a break and I got some good news. I'm going to be back on September 13th to start the new season of Twisted, a Lord or Order SVU podcast. Yeah, it is going to be a little different, though, and I'm sure I'm bringing some more humor like the good humor man so and do a little change over to do some like true crime stories and stuff like that though it's like a true hollywood story and shit like that you know so uh, let's go get to this episode right we're at the law and order svu Season two, episode four, legacy. Hey, um, let me ask you something. Is there a legacy going on around here? Is there any legacy around here, Ben? I don't know. Now it's um it's aired, aired this episode aired on November 10th of 2000. And it's written by Jeff at Curl, and you know, he's also the show producer. And it's directed by Judd Taylor, right? Not Lily Taylor, the act- actress. Well, okay, so we're dealing with an ch- episode of child abuse and all that stuff. And we're dealing with dysfunctional family, like Married with Children. I mean, you've seen, have you ever watched a show called Married with Children? You know, with um, Al Bundy and stuff like that, though? And I used to watch that show every week on Fox back in the days. But I'm going to get to that to that in a minute, all right? So, um, where we open up, this is the um, prologue scene, the pre-credit scene. We you know, we talk, this is the pre-credit sequence. We're at the McKenna residence, and it's, it's, it's inside this luxury apartment building, and then they got, like, a balcony and all that stuff, though. And you got a woman, a female. She is identified as Jamie McKenna, and she lives in the apartment with um, her three kids, you no, know, two sons and the one daughter, right? So, um, okay, so we in the family kitchen, and um, you know, her son Justin, who was 15 years old, he's on the phone talking to his friend, and Justin's got like an attitude problem, stuff like that. So, um, Miss McKenna, Jamie McKenna, was calling her son, and his son's like, What? and then 
uh, Jane McKell tells ask him, did you wake up the daughter named um, Emily, something like that, though? I mean, that's her name, Emily. So, um, and then Justin got this attitude saying, how should I know? It's not my problem to wake her up. So, um, okay, let me break this down with you. All right. Jamie McKenna, though, she lived in an apartment with um, three kids, you know, two sons and one daughter. You got the teenage son named um, Justin. He got, like, an attitude problem. And you got Emily. She's, like, seven years old. And you got the um, youngest son, a toddler named Michael, who's, like, four years old. But he has some learning difficulties. I mean, he can't even speak or write something like that, though. So, um, okay, so, okay, so Jamie, though, she goes to Emily's bedroom, and she tries to wake her up. All of a sudden, you know, she notices that she's not responding. And so um, Jamie picks Emily up, and there's a bruise on the back of Emily's neck. Oh, so it looked like sometimes like, she got hit. All right, so um, we at the hospital right now. Best of the Sabler walk in. They talk, they talk to the doctor. And the doctor tells him that um, the, the girl is probably comatose and she seeks like cerebral hemorrhage and then blunt force trauma. And she and, and he also tells him that she probably has been molested. And then um, the doctor shows them, the, um, you know, points to um, Jamie and the two sons. And the doctor tells him that the father is away on business and stuff like that, though. So Jamie and the two sons are sitting on the hospital bench, and then Doctor gets a call saying he gotta take care of something, and then he leaves. So um, Benson asked Stabler, so "How was her, his weekend?" And Stabler responded, "I really don't have a weekend." Okay, so um, we go through opening credits, and um, after that, Mrs. McKenna is talking to Benson and Stabler, and about the, her about about um. Emily being molested or abused or something like that, though. And um, she blames it on um, her father or something like that, though. And uh, Bessie and Sable ask her, is that, your, is that your husband? And she tells him that her husband is way out of town. And Emily, and they say that the Emily is emily is the daughter of the ex-boyfriend named danny so um it turns out that um jamie mckenna had emily on a, from a previous relationship with danny so she tells best and Sabler that that she um she were married and her husband's away on business and she tells him this was the girl's father danny and you know danny Correa shows up and then he confronts Jamie like how could you do this and all this stuff you know what I'm saying because um she, cause Jamie assumes that uh, Emily's father had hit her and you know and then you know the ex-boy Danny the ex-boyfriend shows up and he's um a Cuban immigrant something like that he's from Cuba and all this stuff and then they had Emily when uh, they were they, when they had a relationship and then right now they're, they're, they're fighting for um custody and all that shit you know so um Sabler pulls Danny aside, he starts talking to him, and then Danny though, he blames um uh the the girl's stepfather Randall McKenna of abusing her and all that stuff though. So um 
and then he and then and he told Stable that he reported to the police. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they 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 and then they blame him for the beating um, Emily and all that stuff, though. But I mean, it's a little confusion and stuff like that, though. Okay, so we in the squad room right now, and it's like a dysfunctional family thing. It's just that um, Stabler is talking and all that stuff, though. So, um, and then they were talking about Emily. Stable was saying that um, her mother blames her ex-boyfriend, and then the ex-boyfriend says that he accuses accuses the stepfather of, of um, molesting her and booting her or something like that, though. So it's like a he said, she said, bull, he said, she said bullshit. And I'm going to talk about that in a future episode. So we're in the squad room and they're breaking down on um, on um, these two guys, you know, like um, like a Randall McKenna. They say that Randall McKenna is, is, is a Wall Street investment banker in his 40s. And he has a teenage son from the previous relationship. And he has uh, the... Uh, the the youngest he has the youngest son with um miss mckenna jamie mckenna you know and emily that's emily's not his though so um and then they also want to do a data background check on danny they say that he was a cuban immigrant and he was arrested for assault and robberies uh, several years ago and right now he's working as a short order cook at the green Breer school that emily attends so okay so um and then during the it was just breaking that give doing a background check on um danny 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 and um no nah, excuse me i said danny by mistake i said danny they did they did a background check on denny and mr um randall during the credits though you can see sign says um co-executive producer judith mccreary now i mean uh, she got promoted to co-executive producer and, you know, do it for security. You know, she was a um, staff member from New York Undercover and now SVU. So um, in the first couple of episodes, she was like the supervising producer of Law & Order SVU. And right now she's like co-executive producer, though. So, um, and all that stuff. So right now during during the discussion, it's just that it turns out that um, Ben was like, so how does a society chick hook up with a short order cook? And turns out that um, Jamie met Denny in rehab, and she was kicking a drug habit, and Denny was teaching dance lessons and all that stuff, though. And turns out that Jamie's mother runs a foundation that uh, from her from her from her deceased father and stuff like that, though. So there is gonna be some power connections going on around here. I mean, Jamie's mother. It runs the foundation that her. Let me repeat it again. Jamie's mother, mother runs the foundation that her um the, that Jamie's father used to run. Well, he passed away and all that stuff though. So she didn't like the relationship between her daughter and uh, Danny and stuff like that though. So Craigan orders Munch and Finn to go to ACS and he tells Benson Sabler to talk to Jamie's mother. Who's identified as Mrs. Huntington? So, um, next scene, though, we're at the um, Vincent Sailor talking to Lois Huntington, which is um, Jamie's mother, and she didn't approve the relationship between um, her daughter and Denny. 
and she assumed that he raped her and all this stuff and then he tells her to get an abortion and then she tells the story that um jamie was um they they Vincent Saban tells them that Jamie was doing was doing drugs and stuff like that. And her mother insisted that there were just some pills and all that stuff. And um and then she despised Jamie and her father and all that stuff. And then she sent her to a boarding school when she was like ten or eleven. And Mrs. Lois Huntington says that he paid more attention to her husband paid more attention to his daughter rather than her. So she sent her to a boarding school, what you call it, all that though. But um, then in Mrs. Huntington is talking about the custody battle, and then he should receive the punishment he deserves and stuff like that, though. So that's like the only the first and only scene with uh, Jamie's mother, though. And so next scene, we're at the ACS, and much as Finn is talking to an ACS um, social worker about the abuse. And the worker was like, the abuse started about like a month ago or something like that, though. So... Um, and then Munch asked her, that you didn't you, you didn't get a good good night's sleep?" And the ACS worker was like, "I haven't slept good in about I haven't had sleep. I haven't went to sleep for ten years." So, and then meanwhile, later on, Munch and Finn, though they talk, they go to the Greenbrier School and they talk to a teacher there, and um, the teacher tells them that she had no problem with Danny. You know, he's a short order cook, and then he's telling stories, and he always be fun with the kids and all that stuff, though. And um, so they just um, bunch of been and like cut to the chase. They want like to um, find out if there anyone close to Emily about that stuff like that. And t- the teacher tells them that she talks to her classmate. I forgot the girl's name, something like that, though. I mean, so. We in the classroom right now, and Munch is talking to Emily's classmate. I forgot her name. And then Munch introduces himself to Detective Munch. And the little girl was like, Detective Munch, that's a funny name. <laughs> a funny name. And then Munch was like, if I had kids, I'll call them Munchkins. And the girl just laughed. Now, let me break it down with Detective Munch, right? Detective Munch, he like, like eat, he likes to eat some food. Or does he have like a habit of eating pussy, something like that? I don't know why. They, <laughs> why they call him Detective Munch? I mean, yo, like yeah, I mean, he likes food a lot. I mean, he's a skinny dude. I mean, I don't see him consuming a lot of food and stuff like that though. But um, or maybe he's eating a box of Crunch and Munch, or maybe I don't know. That's his nickname. I don't know what it is like that though. But um, I remember um, Mr. Belzer. We play Munch, so he did a joke like call them Munchkins. That's like talking about the Wizard of Oz and stuff like that. And I used to watch the Wizard of Oz and all that stuff. So, so um, during a comment during Munch's conversation with um, Emily's classmate, and then um, and then Munch was asking certain questions, and then the girl's like, "It's a secret," and Munch was like, "I can keep a secret. You can. We're all kids, though." So Emily's classmate tells him that uh, her her and um, her father were planning on going to Cuba and stuff like that, though. And that's all the information Munch needs, though. So after he finished with the conversation with the girl, Ben comes over and tells Munch that he's going to check the airlines to do some data and stuff like that, though. And then at the end of the scene, Munch has a difficult time getting up. Why? Because he's sitting in a little ass chair. 
for little kids. <laughs> oh my goodness, yo. <laughs> and then Finn was like, yo, okay. And Munch was like, no, I need a forklift. Ugh. Damn, like he Munch is like moaning and shit like that. Oh my goodness, yo. Okay, now we in the squabble right now. And um, Benson and Sadler arrive, and um, and Ben tells his colleagues that he was at the airport did a background check, and he discovered that he found he found like two plane tickets for Danny, Danny and Emily for a one way trip to Cuba, and Stay was like, "Well, I think we need to bring in Danny here for the talk." Made a black and the Act One, all right. So, I mean, so I mean, so there's something not right going on around here because um, you're taking a one-way trip out of the um, out of the city to get to Cuba via Montreal, something like that, though. And speaking about Montreal, I've been to Montreal, and one time I was there with my sister and um, my um, nephew, and we just took a walk around town. We went to the park. And then my sister, though, she persuaded me to go to the strip club and have some fun. I didn't want to do that, though. I mean, we was, we were just coming out of a restaurant. We just passed by a strip club, and you see a naked woman with the tits out. And then, and then my nephew was there. I mean, he's not supposed to see that stuff. And then my sister persuaded me to go to the strip club and have some fun. As you know, I did. I did. I had a stripper coming up to me to give it like a private lap dance session. So we went to the booth. And I started feeling her and sucking on her tits and stuff like that. She liked it. Had a little alcohol. But, I mean, every time when they played the song, they would just play, like, one, two minutes of the song. I had to pay her 20 bucks for each song, stuff like that, though. In the end, though, I spent, like, almost more like more than $150, man. I mean, but the song was just by so fast, man. I didn't know what's happening, but. I think it was the first and last time I've been to a strip club, and I'm not planning on going there again, though. That, that, that happened. That, that, was, that was more than, like, uh, 10 years ago, 11 years, 12 years ago. So I'm just still young, man. So I'm still single, trying to find the white, right woman and all that, though. But I had a nice time. Good while it lasted. So um, we had to act two, and um, we in the convention conference room and detective um, Stabler and Munch though they talk to Denny Denny tells them that he wanted to keep Emily away from Mr. McKenna no 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 around Mr. McKenna stuff like that you know Randall McKenna you know he's like a Wall Street guy so um next thing you know is Kraken knocks on the door interrupts him tell him to come outside for a moment and so Stabler and Munch comes out and um, Benson, much of there, and Cragen tells them that they checked the DMA, and it turns out that Denny didn't do it. He did not abuse them, Emily. So, shortly after, we're in Cragen's office, and Cragen got his crew, and guess what? Dr. Skull is in the house, and that's J.K. Simmons. He's um, recurring more as Dr. Skull. I mean, this is probably his third time. On um, on the second season of Law and Order SVU, and um, you know Scott the Scully tells um, Unit that, that 
that the person probably been the, the uh, abusers been abused back in the days and stuff like that. It's like a power trip. So they looking into um, Randall McKenna, you know, um, Emily, I uh, know um, Jamie's um, husband. But it turns out that you know Jamie married um, after and married um, Randall McKenna after she broke off the relationship with Daddy. So she's considered the stepmother and stuff like that, though. So it's like um, it doesn't make sense right now. So Jamie, no, 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 that's Mr. McKenna's son. That's he has a son from a previous relationship, which is a teen son. And Emily, you know, Emily is not his though. That's from, and then he, and then her, and then Mr. Her and Jamie that they have um, a young, a baby son together. The toddler, you know, he's like four years old, and he's the one with the learning disabilities and stuff like that though. So, so what they're gonna do is now that the best in the saver that they go to uh, Randall McKenna's office and they ask him for a DA DA sample or something like that, and he was like. You guys are nuts and stuff like that, though. He and then before we get into that, it says a brief previously, though, he got into a confrontation with Danny, and then he beat his ass up over the custody thing and stuff like that, though. And and um, Randall, Mr. McKenna, shows him the the black guy that he got from Danny because uh, he knows they they know that Danny is a high head, he got like a temper and stuff like that. And Jane, Mrs. Mrs. McKenna, though, knows that Danny had a temper too. And it got worse when she married um, Randall McKenna, something like that, though. So, so Benson Stabler asked him that they want a DNA sample from him because they thinking they they it, because they thinking that he abused uh, Emily and stuff like that, though. And then Mister McKenna was like, "You will hear from my lawyer now. That you excuse me, I got a meeting to go to." And he just leaves the office, leaving them behind, stuff like that, though. So. So right now, you know, you got like, you got one suspect. You got like Mr. McKenna. He's the suspect, and then Danny, you know, he's out of the picture. He's ruled out as ruled out as a suspect, suspect because the DNA didn't match him to the rape kit, stuff like that. So Danny's in the clear. And Mr. McKenna is holding out because he got lowering his toe. So, um, meanwhile, the bunch of though, they talked to this guy called um, Henry. Albadine and he's like the minister of protocol. He's also a friend to the school, friend to the school, the Greenbrier School. And it turns out that, that Mr. Albadine, you know, he took um, Emily to see a Broadway play like The Lion King and all that stuff. And then he be doing some funny songs and stuff like that, though. So, um, let's just then talk to uh, Mr. Mr. Albadine or Henry, something like that, though. And here's Henry, he's coming in with the gray suit, you know gray shirt and an ashy tie i mean you're looking all gray this is like early 2000s and stuff like that though i mean he's all he's like a sharp dressed man dressed in like early 2000s and stuff like that though so he tells um much of Finn that he'll get the hushman who he deserves so hopefully though that um henry is willing to, to give out his dna and all that stuff so and then, so meanwhile, we got um, Benson and Stabler, though, they talked to Justin at his school. And Justin, though, he's like a preppy dude with like an attitude or something like that, though. So Justin tells them that him that him and his, uh, his father and stepmother would be arguing. He didn't have the time to talk and shit like that, though, because 
He a preppy boy, Jason, man. I mean, let me tell you something. No, let me, excuse me, not Jason, Justin. Let me tell you something about Justin. Justin Timberlake, though. He looked like a member from NSYNC, like Jay-Z Jazz or stuff like that. And here comes Mr. Preppy Boy with a nasty attitude. Like, come on, I mean, he wants, come on, man. He like after the after the grouch and all that stuff, though. I mean, he just was like, yo, man, I don't have time to talk. Can we go now? I got testing all that stuff. I mean, come on, man. He's like a grumpy as hell. Like he got from the wrong side of the bed this morning. And you know, he's just he's just a teenager. He's going through this phase. I get it though. I mean, you got like uh his father, he's like holding now getting a lawyer, he's like an investment banker, and and then you Justin got a nasty attitude, and then his sister though, she's beating she's being into a coma and his baby brother or a baby half brother though, he had like a learning disability. He has a speech impairment. He don't he's a learning disability. I mean, he's a toddler four years old. So how dysfunctional is it? Is there a legacy going on around here? Okay, so we back in the squad room and um Sable was saying that um Danny Danny is cleared as a suspect and um Mr. McKenna it has a it, it has a lawyer for backup and um Henry is willing to give a DNA sample of all this stuff though. So Sable is like Emily is safer in the hospital bed rather than home. And then we pan up camera to Munch and he's sitting there thinking stuff like that, wondering. What's going on in Munch's mind, though? So, you gotta like Richard Belzer. I mean, he could be a dick sometimes on SVU, playing a dick and a jerk off, but he has a compassionate side, though. So, let's go to get to that. So, the next scene, Munch visits Emily in the, hosp in the hospital. Emily's still in the coma and still. So, what's good is he drops off a, a toy or a doll or something like that to Emily and put it on her bed, though. And, um... It's like an animal stuffed toy animal, something like that. So, I mean, I have two stuffed toy animals at home. I got a bear and a duck. I remember when when I was like seven years old, I was in the hospital for something. I don't know. I mean, I had some issue with my arm. And I remember my grandmother, she gave me like a, a, toy, a stuffed uh, bear and a stuffed duck in the hospital. And I still have it today. I mean, I had it hiding in my closet, something like that, though. Not trapped in the closet like R. Kelly. Hey, trapped in the closet. Okay, though, that's enough of myself. So, I mean, it goes to show how good the fine actor Richard Belzer is. You know, he has this compassionate side as John Munch and stuff like that, though. You know, dropping off a, a stuffed toy animal for a little girl. That was nice, though. Even though I wish she could open her eyes and she'd be happy about that, though. Munch cares about happiness. I mean, Munch probably, character Munch, he probably went through something during his childhood. Who knows, though? Okay, so we're at the um, judge, uh, we're at the judge's chambers, and um, and the judge, I forgot the judge's name, is Joel, something like that, though. But Cabot and uh, Mr. McKenna's lawyers are there talking to the judge, and um, they were playing, and Cabos was discussing that we should give him like a give him like a court order DNA sample, or he might, and and something like that. And the judge was like, "All right, though, he he had he has to show up at court to give him a DNA scap sample, or he will be arrested for contempt." Now check out the scene. You check it out. You know now. Let's get to this right now. You check it out. Um, 
Cabot's hair, right? Cabot has a haircut, right? That goes down to the neck. And then she'd be using that hairstyle for the rest of season two. And in the first couple of episodes, you know, Cabot's hair was longer, stuff like that. And he shows that the right now, this episode, Cabot this uh, is walking around with the shorter hairdo, something like that, that goes down to her neck. But you won't see the last of Cabot, though. I mean, I think it was in the episode, in the season two episode, um, um, Runaway, which I'm gonna to which I'm gonna comment later on, probably next season or maybe like later on this year. Her hair is back to long, but I mean, I'm not gonna get go deep into that. But this episode Matt marks the debut of Cabot's short hairdo, and um, you see it in the opening credits of season two. You sure Cabot got the short hairdo. Like going down to through the neck and stuff like that, though. So throughout the season, you're, you're gonna see a lot of that, though. And yo, check this out. Who's this actress playing the Judge uh, Pritoski? That's her name, Judge Pritoski. Who's that girl? Who's that actress playing Judge Pritoski? That happens to be Joanna Merlin. And then she's gonna be when this episode, she's gonna have a recurring role playing Judge Pritoski, something like that, though. So. um I didn't get the audio clip and stuff like that, but she's not a big-ass star anyway. Well, she's a recurring character. I mean, who knows, though? Okay, so we back in the squad room, and then and um, Benson is talking to Cabot on the way inside the squad room, and they, they were playing, and Cabot tells them they're, they're going to plan on um, having Mr. McKenna turn himself in for the DNA sample, stuff like that. So, um, Craigan... When they arrive at the squad room, they tell to Craig, and Craig was like, though, he orders his uh, people, he orders his crew, a couple of his detectives, that he will be arrested as soon as he don't show up for court, court of contempt. So, Stable's on the phone, and then Savage gets off the phone, and he tells them he just spoke too much, and he tells them that Randall McKenna kind of is in critical condition at a hospital with of um blunt force trauma and all and um and uh, all other wings and then it turns out someone beat the shit out of him so it turns out i mean yo they don't have to worry about him going showing up a court for or contempt something like that because that that asshole's in the hospital right now being beaten beaten down with um head trauma and blunt force trauma and shit like that though i mean so it turns out it was probably Denny. So we have the second half of the episode right now. And um and we outside um Denny's apartment and the landlady is um escorting bring escorting them upstairs to his apartment and um and she tells him that Denny is worried about the sweet little girl and Munch asks her, did he seem um angry or agitated upset, agitated? And the landlady was like, Hey, and she says it with the European accent, so like that. And he was like, "Did he see agitated?" And she was like, "You don't act, no shout." So they go inside Danny's apartment and they search around. Munch gets a call from Benson saying that that they apprehended Denny at the hospital while he was trying to see his daughter Emily. And Munch takes out his uh, a bloody T-shirt from his dresser. And Munch, and uh, no, no, Finn takes out a bloody T-shirt from Denny's drawer. And Finn was like. Hope he says his goodbyes. Did you seem upset or agitated when you saw him? Huh? <laughs> Did you seem upset? They don't have to shout. 
Alright, you know I had to put that clip in there, right? Because I like the interaction between Munch and the landlady, stuff like that. Because she got like a European accent and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Hey, he Munch was like Munch was asking her, did he seem upset or agitated? And she was like, hey. And Munch was like saying it louder, saying, did he seem upset? And the landlady was like, you don't have to shout. Oh well. <laughs> Well, you need to take it easy, Munch, man. Yes, be cool now. All right, so um, as I was saying earlier, that Munch and Finn, they search in Danny's apartment, and Finn finds a bloody T-shirt. And um, and while um, and like I said, Munch got the call from Benson saying that they, they apprehended Danny at the hospital where he was about to see Emily. So... We're in an interrogation. We're in like the conference room or something like that. So, no, I think we're in. You're in interrogation, and Danny tells him that he went to see Emily at the hospital, but um, he talks to um, Benson and Sabler, and um, he tells them that he confronted Mrs. McKenna. And, and about maybe in, or earlier, and I think it was like yesterday, something like that, though. And um, he tells him that Mr. Randall McKenna told him to stay away for court police. And then um, Daddy has this feeling he might be deported because of his record and stuff like that. So, and um, he begged Mr. McKenna just, just to. Um, reason with him listen to him stuff like that though i mean he and then miss and then he tells him that no then he tells him that mr randall mckenna wanted him to um you know um give up custody of his daughter it to avoid jail time and um daddy was begging mr mckenna please you know i mean with my record i could be deported stuff like that and then he tells him that mr mckenna laughed saying you're you're good as going and then he tells him that he snapped and he beat, he beat the shit out of Mr. McKenna and stuff like that, though. So, I know then he messed up and, you know, he could be facing deportation and stuff like that, though. And um, he tells him that after he beat up Mr. McKenna, that um, he went over he went home to change his clothes. And then he was going to go to the hospital to see Emily one last time before he had to get deported or whatever like that. But. You know, like what happens right now? I mean, he's like, you know, he did deported. So, so um, we're at the squad room right now, and they did a DNA thing from the hairbrush, and it turns out it turns out not to be um, Randall McKenna's though. So, Detective Benson assumes is probably from someone's bloodline. So, it's like, um, and you know, it's it like, um. Sometimes you know it has nothing. So Mr. McKenna had nothing to do with it, not even Denny. So they didn't want to look into into Jamie McKenna. So we're back in the Jamie's apartment, and Jamie's like, I've been through hell enough, man. Is this enough?" So you know, and Munch and uh, uh, Munch and Stable are there. They talk to Mr. McKenna. They search her apartment, and um, they go to the bedroom. Munch goes to this um, Emily's bedroom, and he finds it like a toy box. He opens it up though, and this uh, box has a ballerina dancing. They're playing a little music, 
Munch takes out some a hospital tag. It looks like a strange keychain. So he looks at the door. He sees the toddler there just staring at Munch, not saying anything. So Munch is having like a flash. I mean, it just reminds me of something. Uh, we don't know what it is. So meanwhile, Sabler is in Justin's um, bedroom. He finds the hairbrush. And the camera zooms in. Justin comes in. He's like, hey, what you doing over there? That's mine. And then Munch hears a conversation. He comes in the bedroom. And cut to the interrogation, though. And Justin's there. He blames it on his stepmother, Jamie, stuff like that, though. And he knows that the blood is not his and stuff like that, though. So meanwhile, in the conference room, James and McKenna is talking to Benson, and they tell him that um, her and the her and the stepfather they argue about Jamie and stuff like that though, and um, is it Jamie's grades and his attitudes and all that shit though? So it's like um, so it's like um. It's like argue stuff like that though. I mean, they don't know because they found DNA sample from a hairbrush, like some rape kits and stuff like that. It's like maybe she was raped, but she doesn't know about that though. So the detectives though, they have an eye. They had this eye. You know, outside the um, the conference room though, they had the fake the stabler Cragen, and they had this idea that they should lock Justin up to come to the senses stuff like that though. Cause so. Which they do. I mean, they take they they lock uh, they lock Justin up, and you know, Mrs. McKenna is there and finishes talking to the toddler and stuff like that. So um, after that, you know, that been Mrs. She Mrs. McKenna tells them that what happened what, what happened at the time Jamie was being abused and stuff like that. She tells them that uh, she put her she put her daughter Emily to bed, and then she went out. She went out. She took her. She took the toddler, the, the youngest, the baby son, you know, the toddler out to a pharmacy somewhere around 9 o'clock in, in the evening, so for a few minutes. So it turns out maybe uh, Justin's a suspect. I don't know. Did, they, maybe, did he abuse the little girl or molest him? I don't know about that, though. So um, after Jamie and the uh, baby boy leaves, though, um, much tells him that he found, like, a mysterious keychain. But it's like a hospital bed. So um Benson was like, you know, that um the the Randall McKenna and Emily Emily are in the hospital and her the Justin's going to jail and Danny's about to be deported. And then Munch was like he found like a strange keychain, which is like a hospital tag, and it had the name Emily Smith or something like that though. So we so Munch and Finn go to the hospital and and then you got the employee right behind the counter. She tells him that a girl named Emily Smith came in here a few months ago with the baby in tow. And uh, they look in, a bunch of them look on the computer and they get a look at the address. It's fraudulent. And Munch was like, the address is in the East River. And Munch was like, you know what I'm thinking? Finn was like, we even had. So they left the hospital. It turns out that Jamie was using hospital fraudulent names and stuff like that, you know, pay hospital bills and stuff like that. I mean, Jamie has this thing using aliases for hospital fraud and stuff like that. So they're looking into Jamie right now. So we in the back of the squad room and Munch and Finn tells them they go look into Jamie and stuff like that though. With the with the false false names and the hospital stuff like that though. Check out Dr. Scola says that she has this need for attention. So 
that's what it is. What why the false names and then he trying to and they trying to figure out that that if the little girl dies, you know, and then um not the school was like bonus. It's a need for attention, stuff like that. Cause um they at first they thought it was uh, um Randall McKenna all along. He they thought the abuser was male all along, but they were gonna look into Jamie and stuff like that though, so and then she thought that the Jamie could get away with it, and then Vess was like till Justin showed up. So um they talked uh Vessin just able to talk to Justin in interrogation, or they wanted to give her mother up and stuff like that though. They, they want him to come clean and he's not being 100 percent and stuff like that though i mean they ask him where he where he was at the time that and uh, a little girl was being beaten and abused and he tells them that he took a walk for like at least an hour but he didn't give out the exact time and stuff like that though he said he, and then and then next you know he tells them that um he even hearing some arguing he be hearing his stepmother and her father arguing or is that though he, he fell asleep or whatever i mean he didn't give out that much anyway like that though so they had this idea you know that they would so we at the outside of the squad room they asked a couple of neighbors that they weren't helpful so and they talked to the doorman recently however craigan didn't ask him the right questions so Best of the stable talk to the doorman outside the the, the outside the apartment building, and um, he seen um, Mr. McKenna with the toddler about nine in the morning, but he didn't see him go back in. And then he tells me Justin got like a nasty attitude problem and stuff like that though. So, you know, it was a bunch of rides though, and he tells him that um, that the Jamie went to the pharmacy between hours of nine and ten. She told him that. He tells him that Jamie went to the pharmacy shortly after nine, and the pharmacy was closed. And then Emily and Mrs. McKenna had like a, a fit or something like that. And then and and the pharmacy worker let it in for like five minutes or something like that. Though, so so it looks like maybe Justin probably got an alibi or something like that though, because at the time the abuse that Emily was. Um, uh, abuse somewhere between the hours of nine ten o'clock turns out that um she took the um, she took her uh, the, the her son baby son to the pharmacy shortly after nine o'clock it was closing hours and then and it was in for like five ten minutes and they came back and justin didn't arrive back home till like 10 o'clock so it turns out maybe jamie's the abuser or something like that though so we in craigan's office and then the detectives are there and Cabot is there. And um, Cabot tells Craig, you can't charge Jamie with aggravated child abuse and you have to have some proof and stuff like that, though. So Munch was like, Do you remember her school said that she had needs for attention? And he tells Craig, he tells his crew that he gave the, he gave um, Jamie, Mrs. McKenna, Mrs. McKenna the car just in need she want to talk and stuff like that. And then Munch was like, Guess who called? They knew it was Jamie because she needs that attention, stuff like that. So Craiglin was like, We suggest Munch. Munch was like, Be the junkie. <laughs> you know, she has a drug problem, something like that, though. So we in the conference room, in the office, like conference room, Munch comes in and talks to Mrs. McKenna, Jamie McKenna, and um, 
Kragen, Stave, the best of Stave, Larry Finn, and Cavity watching behind the mirror. They don't know this. They don't. She, Mrs. Kent doesn't know they're watching her and stuff like that. So Munch tells um, um, Jamie that uh, she gave her the file. He gave her a file, and Jamie discovers that's her file. And she thought it was sealed. And then Munch tells him that Emily came out of COVID and told everything. And then right away, Mrs. Carroll's like, Emily's a liar. And then all of a sudden, though, Munch tells her just to come clean. You know, we had sending your daughters have a conversation. Then right away, JB confesses that um, she was aggressive to Emily while on the car, while in the car on a road trip or something like that. So she wanted to stop whining and stuff like that. But the boiling point came that uh, she confesses that, that uh, she, she, it was like on Sunday night that she was coming home. She was taking her son now to a pharmacy for a minute. When she came back, Emily started crying. And then she told him that she couldn't stop crying. So she shoved it to a wall. So she just, and then she said she wanted to stop crying. I mean, Jamie, that bitch, Jamie confessed that she shoved Emily, her daughter, to the wall because she wanted to stop crying. That's all she wanted. All she wanted was her to stop crying and stuff like that. Finally, you know. Munch gets up and walks out of the office, and then Craig comes out of his office saying, Great work, John. And Munch just ignores him. So it turns out Munch, you know, he already solved the damn case. He already knows who the abuser is. And it's not the man, it was a female abuser, man. I mean, it's not rare, but mothers abuse their kids and stuff like that, though. But is there a legacy going on around here? I mean, you got a rich society chick. I mean, she's like spoiled and stuff like that, though. So, damn. I mean, they go praise the good work, and Munch is not. He he's not in the mood to celebrate. Be happy about that. So, we have the rooftop, and um, Detective Benson finds Munch on the rooftop, and um, he tells Benson while he was searching the um, the hurt Jamie McKenna's apartment. Though he sees a little boy, and flashes him that, that during he tells him that during his teenage years while he was living on the low east side though he saw a little girl sitting on a porch right across the street from his apartment and she on and she had like bruises and had black eyes stuff like that and he tells her that her mother was the abuser and then she killed her daughter by throwing throwing her out the window and um he tells him that he went to the girl's funeral and then he sees the father tells her, Benson, that he saw a grown man. This is the first time I see a grown man cry. He tells a story that uh, weeks later he was coming home from school. He sees another girl sitting on the porch and he felt guilty about that. Like he feel he let her down, stuff like that, though. So this, it, in other words, in this case, it's close to home for much because of his like childhood memories and his like traumatize him and something like that though. So he leaves the rooftop, leave Benson behind the rooftop. Munch comes back to the hospital. He goes and see Emily again, who is still in the coma. He takes out a children's book of rhymes, and um, next thing you know is he's reading uh, nursery rhymes, stuff like that. All the time, where you are. You, you go far, going out wherever you are. And when he's reading the children's uh, story, the, the camera slowly fades to black and says Dick Wolf. It's the end of the episode. 
And um, I just wanted to say, I mean, that was some good acting for Munch. And I want to say it's a Munch-centric Munch episode. So, and the actor right there from Richard Belzer is good. And goes to, goes to show you that um, it did, you know, the personal life of Munch is that he grew up as a, in a, living in the Lower East Side as a teenager. But in Homicide, he was living in Baltimore and stuff like that, though. But you have experienced much teenage years living in the city, and he sees abuse going on around him. It's close to home. It's like personal stuff like that. But you got to do like some drama here for much of stuff like that, though. He shows you that he cares. So this is like a mostly like a half of it is like a much centric episode. So that hits to him though. That's it. Well, uh, I hope y'all had a good time, y'all you know saying though. And um I just wanna say that this is the last episode of the season. I only doing twenty-six episodes. I could do more, you know, so like that, but sometimes I need to take a break. Like, give me a break with a Kit Kat bar or something like that. Do you remember that commercial? I'm 45. I remember that commercial or stuff like that, though. So, let me talk a while to give you a summary. I mean, we started season two of SVU. I'm doing the season two episodes of Law and Order SVU, like I said, so... And I add some clips to it later on, and there's gonna be more sound clips from certain episodes. So, this August 16th, so I have an announcement to make. I'm gonna be coming back on September 13th with new episodes, and check this out. We're gonna have a new season, so this is gonna be our last broadcast for, um, this week, and after that, I'm gonna take me like a short vacation. You know, I I needed it. I don't know. I'm not planning on going out of town just yet, though. But right now, I gotta deal with some family issues. Well, otherwise, you know, I gotta take care of some, take care of family, and then all that stuff. And so, so I'm not gonna be going away for long. You know what I mean, I'm gonna be away for maybe about three or four weeks. But check this out. I'm going to be back on September 13th to start a new season and I'm going to be having like a, a new a new um, heading or new drawing for Twisted and it's going to be better than the first one. I mean, the, I'm, it's going to be having better artwork because I am an artiste. I draw good. So you're going to see some new artwork and then... Um, I'm going to add some new segments and add a little bit more humor to it and all that stuff. And we're going to be having like a segment at the end and toward, toward the end of the episode, you know, like a true crime story and stuff like that, though. And it's like, like ripped from, rip from the headlines. If I could find one and then when we start the second season of um, Twisted, a Lord or SVU podcast, we're going to start from, we're going to continue with the season two, episode five. And this is a serious thing about kids killing kids. So I'm not going to give that away. But you can stay tuned for that, though. So 
next season, though, I might double the episodes, so I'm going to be on for probably maybe about 10 or 11 months, because I'm not going to be backing down. All right, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. Hey, y'all, hey, ladies, you'd like to, you, you like to say give it to me? Well, I'm going to give it to you, all right? Yeah, give it to you. Yes, that's right. It's like me trying to come on you. <laughs> well, I'm saying, you know, sound like a damn porn star. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you know, and I need a wifey as well and stuff, though. I'm not desperate. I'm not like no desperate housewives like uh, Terry Hatcher and all that stuff. I mean, you remember that sort of show, right? So, okay, so. Like I said before, September 13th, I'm going to be back September 13th, you know, I mean, with the new season and, you know, September 13th is, is the same day they're going to have like the vaccine mandate and then September 13th is like all hell's going to break loose, man. I mean, you're going to have a hard time trying to get a job and try to get some food on the table. They want everybody to get the damn vaccine. And like I said, I'm not getting no jab, though, but I'm going to survive this, okay? I have my faith in the most high, right? So, so it says, remember, September, September, remember, September 13th is a new season of Twisted, the Lower Order SVU podcast, all right? Just a reminder, so I'm going to bring out promo and stuff like that. So, anyway, though, I would like to thank y'all to listening and all that stuff, though. So, I'm the creator, BD Rose. I'm the creator, and I'm the, I'm also the producer, director, I'm a writer. I don't know what it is though, but I've been reading my notes though. And Twisted, a Lord of Order SVU podcast. You can listen every Monday Monday on Spotify, and um, we got like a WordPress or something like that, web browser and all that stuff. So just listen to every Monday, even though I'm gonna be taking a vacation though. I will be back September thirteenth. All right, with new episodes. Just a reminder, and um, I'm gonna give you more, more, more. You know, all right. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, I'm gonna be ready to break break out. I want you to thank y'all for listening, and you can hear us on um, Spotify every Monday. Our show's gonna be on Monday, every Monday on Spotify, and this show has been recorded from my house. My apartment in New York City, baby. You know, I'm a one man show, all right. So it's like Taylor Swift is like welcome to New York. So, so I will talk to you in September. I will see you in September and like Earth, Wind, and Fire, like the September song. So, good night, y'all.